The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Training camps are open, and preseason games start today. Yes, they do. As we talk pre-show, we've got the first Bruins game happening this this very afternoon. We also have an answer to the trivia question. Who will be the first coach uh, out of a job this season? It's kind of, does it count if it hasn't started yet? (laughs) Hey, he was was a coach heading into training camp. If the season hasn't officially started yet, does it count though? I mean, Um, I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to allow it, but. And uh, let's see, we also have some updates on player contracts and how other players have reacted to them. Um, Conversations uh, around goaltending. Connor Bedard, uh, this spring's or this summer's first overall pick. Um, And uh, season-ending injury already for uh, the Habs. Where do we want to jump in? I was just thinking. I was just thinking. Rumors were that Connor Bedard's bust is already being placed next to Charlie McAvoy's in the Hall of Fame. So, but probably not as big. Oh yeah, well, size size does matter. Yes, but uh, I don't know. Do we save? Do we save the fun one for later and dive into something like Washington or? Do you want to get the Do you want to get the the fun stuff out of the way? Um, by fun, are you talking about the uh, story that people are still uh, ripping uh, Paul Bissonette over having broken? I suppose we could. I suppose we could give him credit for now. Sure. Um, so, as many as most of our listeners know, um, we were talking the last two weeks about. Babcock doing stuff that makes every single person who should ever be allowed to speak the word manager, much less be in charge of anyone else's career. Um, And he was allowed to resign before the Columbus Blue Jackets got around to firing him. Wait, 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 wait. long investigation by the NHL Players Association and the NHL regarding his uh, conduct with regards to their personal information and phones. Who officially did who officially allowed him to resign? Uh, it has to you have to point the fingers squarely at the squarely at. You know, Kika Linen and Blue Jackets ownership. Yes. So if they allowed it, and, and, and I don't know if I should do air quotes or whatnot, but if I don't they, know they go ahead. If they allowed him to resign before firing him, um, isn't that kind of redundant? If um, somebody says to you, I'm going to let you quit before. And if you don't, we're going to. I don't know that it was said to him, but. Oh, okay. Given the, you know, 
you know as well as I do how pretty much any normal company anywhere in corporate America would react to what he did. <laughs> HR departments are cringing. <laughs> they would literally talk to three people and walk into your office with a bag and tell you to get out. Your credentials in the system would be canceled by the time HR or your boss or whoever got there. And you'd be staring at your computer wondering what the bleep happened. In fact, I'm pretty sure Babcock is still staring at something wondering what the bleep happened. It was pretty it it was pretty, pretty quick turnaround. He's probably got a little bit of whiplash going on. It wouldn't surprise me. I just uh, what he did as far as whether we want to use the word allegedly or not, because some players said yes, other players said no. Uh, what what he did uh, as far as asking for people's phones and wanting to see pictures and what he did it, to, what he did in Toronto to, to, to Mitch Marner, how they didn't see this coming. Like, I. I'm just going to jump back to the Johan Franz and co- uh, quote from nigh on 20 years ago, well, certainly a decade ago. Worst person in the world. Again. Literally terrible person. Um, uh, it just, it's absolutely mind boggling to me that this guy has gotten chance after chance after chance. Wait, 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 wait. I've got the quote. I've got the quote from Mr. Babcock himself. <clears throat> Upon reflection, it has become clear that continuing as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets was going to be too much of a distraction. While I'm disappointed to not have had the opportunity to continue the work we've begun, I know it's in the best interest of the organization for me to step away at this time. I wish everyone in the organization well in the upcoming season. Uh, what? <laughs> a what See, work have you what work what, what work did you get done in a month aside from throwing everything into a complete tailspin? Uh is the thing? It, it, he, I do not for a minute believe he genuinely, genuinely thinks he did anything wrong. Thinks he did anything wrong. Yeah. Or that any of his previous um, previous behavior should have any impact on it or his reputation or really – that problems should stick to him. Uh, the O.N. Franzen quote uh, via now Franzen played for him in Detroit. Um, he pra- he uh, this is coming off of Wiki uh, praised him for praised Babcock for preparation, understanding the game, but called him a terrible man, the worst person I've ever met. Corroborated by Chris Chelios. Yes. Um, there were all sorts of stuff around him and Mitch Marner. 
you go back to uh, uh, you go back to his time with the Ducks, and Mike Commodore is one of those players. Now, do we know that all of these players actually have legitimate gripes? No, but. When was the last time you heard Chris Chelio say a bad thing about anyone? Or Franzen say a bad thing about anyone? When's the last time you heard from Johan Franzen, to be quite honest? I mean, it's been a while. Chelios, he's now on TV. I haven't heard him say anything bad about... Did did he dislike certain players? I mean, he's from he's from an era he's from a different era, I guess you could say. It did not era, but even from twenty years ago, whatever. Yeah. The 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 you didn't like players from other teams, especially your arch rivals. So did he say bad things about other people? I'm sure he did at some point somewhere, but to this effect, and to, I don't think so. And and to reiterate that. Mike Babcock is the worst person ever. It's yeah. And, and for, and, and to have this guy, he may be a, a, a hockey uh, guru, which I'm doubting by the way, because I could have led Detroit to a Stanley cup with the talent that they had on that team. It, it, It was more about, it was less about coaching and more about just, Managing. Not getting in the way. Yeah, not getting. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, he wasn't able to bring Toronto, which needed coaching because they had a lot of young talent. But he wasn't able to replicate. And granted, winning the Stanley Cup is the hardest thing to do in sport, or just about the hardest thing to do in sport. Uh, I mean, you look because, at his career. He had the talented Ducks team in o two o three. Yeah the same time that he was dealing with Commodore and a couple of others. Um, he had that ridiculous roster in 07, 08, um, which was still pretty strong in um, 08, 09. He's, in my very, very humble opinion, as a hockey, as a coach, I think that he understands the he understands the physical elements of the game as well as anyone. His issue, and it's kind of like having an anchor the size of the Titanic, is that he doesn't understand people and what motivates them. He firmly believes that people, everyone everywhere thinks exactly and feels exactly the way that he does or would in a situation. And that just doesn't work. I guess what I'm not understanding is how does asking for to see photos on a particular player. And then there was one player in Toronto who said he did the same thing there. He asked for now the the player wasn't named in the article that I read. But it was said that a Toronto player came forward and said that he asked to see photos on, on this player's phone. And then he looked at them for a, an awkward amount of time. I don't know how to, I don't know what awkward means. I'm too long. I mean, kind of getting a little bit 
in depth with the photos. I just I don't understand how that relates to coaching. And see, this is one of those people who wants to see. I, I said this on Twitter a couple of, or after the resignation was announced. Mm-hmm. That fuck is trying to force an emotional connection, emotional intimacy, if you will, with the players by getting to know them really quickly in this superficial checklist sort of way. And it doesn't work. No, it does not. That has to happen organically. And over time, some relationships are going to take longer than others. And the first, like you can't make someone feel creeped out and, and make them want and make them like you. It just doesn't work that way. The thing is, is that thing this is, mean, does this mean he's going back to TV now? <sighs> exactly. Maybe for a year or two. I'm willing to bet he ends up with another head coaching job in the NHL somewhere. Really? Not this year. Maybe not next year. Yes, this needs to blow over. I get that. But where would he? I mean, is this a three strikes you're out thing? I mean, he's got Toronto. Nope. Uh, now it's Columbus. Nope. Are we saying he's going to get a third try before he's completely shunned? Um, I think it will happen. And if so, where? I mean, do they send him out to the desert? He There's does no- seem like the uh, like he'd get along with uh, with Devils ownership as long. I mean, with uh, Coyotes ownership. Coyotes ownership as long as they remember to pay him. <laughs> Yeah, if the checks don't keep clearing, then there could be an issue. <laughs> but you know what? I, I could also see Edmonton hiring him. Really? Not that I think he'd be the best coach for that team, but I could see it happening if the ownership is convinced that he can bring them a cup. You don't think that ownership is happy with uh, – I always forget his name. i got to look it up. Uh, I'm cheating. No, well – Jay Woodcroft. Thank you. I mean, considering that they've made, they've made it to the playoffs, they've made – he seems to be progressing in the right direction, and the team seems to be progressing in the right direction under his tutelage. They're not going backwards. They're not – they're not getting the number one draft pick, you know, year after year. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. McDavid has this season and two more left on his contract before mm-hmm. his UFA. Okay. If they so decide he- they need to do something so that they can get McDavid to resign. There's no guarantees that doing that something that they choose is actually going to be a smart something. <laughs> Ken Holland is still in charge there. He's he's done some smart somethings. I mean, uh, he doesn't have. Uh, and yeah, but wasn't he the GM? Yeah, he was the GM while Babcock was still in Detroit. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, because Babcock was ninety-seven. To 19 as GM. 
Babcock wasn't champion. I'm sorry, Holland was 97 to 19. Yeah, he was. A, yes, he was. He was in Detroit for a, a good long stretch. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was in charge then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, over total years, he was there 87 to 2019. So that's 30 years. But how many how many stories like this did you hear come out 20 something years ago? They didn't make it to mainstream media like they do now they it's not even just main well mainstream media was a much smaller community then i mean go back to 1987 there was what espn just the original one no espn 2 no no espn plus no espn 3 no espn college or whatever or university or whatever they want to call it um there were no CNN really didn't have a competitor as a 24 hour news network. Um, yeah, but they still weren't. It still wasn't sports really. I mean, CNN was exactly there was no there was no you had local. Yeah, you had local network. I mean, Nesson. But I th- you know, but even Nesson didn't exist 30 years ago. But that's my point. So this that's my point, though, is something like this wouldn't have been readily available to us, wouldn't have been made known to us like it is now. And but the reason for that is because the proliferation of outlets has turned all of them into a black hole and empty hunger for anything Con, any so any form of content, and no. so a story like this, where that would have been blown off thirty years ago, because well, everyone hates their boss, um, is a big deal now. And I'm certainly not going to be the one. I'm, I'm not going to be the one to jump all over Paul Bissonnette or or us for that matter. I mean, I well, I think that. Some no, I think that something like this needs to be. I mean, there are stories that need to be known. Oh, look, as this wouldn't be allowed in corporate America anywhere. The investigation wouldn't have taken as long. I know I said that already. Um, I'm both slightly. I have a slight amount of positive feelings that the NHL and the NHLPA mm-hmm. actually initiated an investigation into it. Um, but I think the fact that it took them so long to do it um, tells us that they're still a decade or two behind the real world um, in terms of dealing with serious and potentially serious issues. And that's really all the time I want to give this topic because that's quite true. frankly, I hope never to say Mike Babcock's name on our show again. <laughs> Until the next time he's got a head coaching gig anyway. Yeah. About two and a half years from now. We should mark it on the calendars. Um, okay. So the hockey writers put out a story. Oh. Saying the Capitals should have outbid the Canucks in order to retain Casey to Smith or get Casey uh, to Smith signed. Acquire him, yeah. That he was in Montreal. Okay. Now, 
Casey DeSmith uh, was picked up by Montreal for Tanner Pearson and a third round pick. Casey DeSmith, 32 years old, six feet tall, Rochester, New Hampshire. Almost sounds like the Bruins should have been chasing him. Um, uh, no. Bruins have goaltending that they need. And the fact that this is a conversation, like a genuine conversation, tells me everything that I have suspected about the goaltending position for the past seven, six or seven years is correct. We had goaltending in the NHL about seven or eight years ago, or about 12, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. He had a five or six year golden golden age of goaltending. And okay, okay. we're heading towards the bottom again. Why do I say this? Because I pay attention. But what are you paying attention to? The fact that the Canucks were able to get this guy and, and the Capitals could. Capitals don't have the cap space to bring this guy in. And that's, I, that, that, that's number one. I, I don't understand, understand that. Um, so what am I missing then? Of the... you think that Casey DeSmith stands... Between the 018, the 1819 season, the 2023 season, in terms of wins among NHL goaltenders. Where does he stand? Yes. I don't know. He's never, he's never really been a number one for long periods of time. I don't know. Like down near the bottom, uh, 45th. I don't know. Well, in that time period, 173 goaltenders have played. Um, he has played 120 games, 52 actual wins. Okay. Um, which puts him in only two wins behind Jeremy Swayman, who happens to have played only 88 NHL games. Um, in terms of goaltenders who have played, um, at least. 50 games, where do you think he sits in terms of save percentage? Middle of the pack, 9-12 save percentage? I don't know. I, I'm not looking at his stats, so I don't know. Well, 85 goaltenders in that time have played um, at least 50 games. Okay. Uh, Casey DeSmith is 27th. Tied with like Aiden Hill and Anton Forsberg and Laurent Brousseau. Laurent Brassois, yeah. Brassois. Is Laurent Brassois a guy that most teams are going to run out and get simply because, or chase simply because they hear he's available? Uh, they'd most likely chase him if they needed a decent. And I'm not saying I didn't say good. I didn't say elite. I didn't say great. I said if they need a good backup, he he's not. Again, he's another one like DeSmith. He's not a perennial number one goaltender, but Let's, he can offer okay. you. 
he can offer you wins during the regular season. He's not going to be starting 55 games for your team, but Corey Crawford, who played 79 games in that five year period period. And we mm-hmm. haven't seen in the NHL in a couple of years um, yeah. has a nine thirteen save percentage across the same time. Stuart Skinner also has a nine thirteen save percentage across that time. Tristan Jari, who has played for the Penguins and other teams with defensive challenges, shall we say? Um, what other teams did Tristan Jari play for? I think he's only been a Penguin. I thought he played for. You're right. It is just the Penguins. I thought he had played out in Nashville too, but and his buddy Casey Dismith that we're actually talking about is his backup, <laughs> or um, was his backup. <laughs> Chris Dreiger in 62 games played has a 917 save percentage. Is that a guy most teams are going to run out and chase simply because they're available? I mean, he's uh, Seattle Kraken yeah. did. Chris Dreger, Seattle yeah. Kraken did because of uh, what he did in Florida. Yeah, but he went up there, played 27 games, and had an 899 save percentage across them. Yeah, none of the goaltenders were impressive in their first season with Seattle. Because even um, Philip, uh, the the one that went from Washington to Colorado, but he was drafted by Seattle and went there and did not have that impressive of a first season. I, it, it, you can't really judge the goaltenders on what happened in Seattle in the first season. I mean, first year inaugural season of a franchise of a franchise. Uh, I, I don't want to say I give them a pass, but I can understand why the numbers might not have been as impressive as they, they should be. The thing is that Dreger didn't impress going forward either. So I see where you're coming from with that. Uh, I mean, to me, we are definitely in a place where. But what do you. I, if I'm a hockey parent with a 12 year old who plays goaltender, you know, once a week and plays defense or forward, you know, the other two games that week. And they ask me, you know, if they've got the assuming they have the athleticism and the poise and whatever, and they enjoy playing goaltender, I'm probably pushing them towards goaltender. There may be less spots, but if they're actually the quality of athlete that's going to make the NHL, it seems like there's going to be a lot of jobs available over the next five to ten years. A lot. Okay. So because what are you saying about guys like Swayman and, and Olmark and, and – and Swayman and Olmark are and actually two of the top six goaltenders over that five-year period in terms of save percentage. Although everybody laughs at me even when I – well, I shouldn't – I don't I mean, know if they I laugh out loud. But is, one of, is number eight over that period, granted only 73 games. Yeah. Um. But Philip Gustafson is in the top five, uh, and I don't believe he's played in the last two years. Philip Gustafson? Wasn't he playing up in Minnesota? Or in different Gustafson? Oh, he did play. He did play last year in Minnesota. Okay. Because um, at one point in time, it was a discussion as to whether he was going to take the 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 
the Vesna away from away from Omar because of his number. And you know what like, it is? He went from the Senators to the Wild, and I yes. saw less of him. But wild swings in this man's uh, productivity or save percentage in his career. Admittedly, the first two years are pretty small sample sizes. 2021, nine, six, uh, 216 goals against average, 933 save percentage in nine games for the Sens. Mm-hmm. Second season, um, 355 goals against average, 892 save percentage in 18 games for the Sens. That's and then he gets to Minnesota, 210, 210 goals against average and a 931 uh, save percentage uh, in 39 games. Um, okay. That's a – yeah, that that's – That's pretty wild. You know that's, that – you know that's – you know the swing thing and you go from point A where you're high as you can be forward and then – Point B, high as you can be backward, and then you swing forward again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And across those three seasons, he arrives at a 920 save percentage. Um, so you got Omar, you got Swayman. Who's number – is there a number one? Who's who's like the I number mean, one? Number one with the 50 games played across this period is a guy who got a lot of undeserved hatred. Um and criticism um, because he had a lot, a lot of bad luck health-wise uh, over the last couple of years. But with 90 games played, 88 yeah. starts, 48 wins, 31 losses, um, 921 save percentage, 927 save percentage, yeah. and two ter- uh, 223 goals against average, and Bishop. Wow. And now I don't know that we're going to see. I, I, has he officially retired yet? Um, I I don't off the top of my head. No, I think he may have. But like, but I'm not questioning his talent. He was remarkable when he was in net. But then, yes, he suddenly had. Was it knee after knee issue after knee issue or was it? it, I, it was, I thought it was hips for him. Knees or hip? I mean, goaltenders is not surprising. I mean, you had two go had well, the double six, hip. Seven, and you're doing the splits and that low goalie stance, trying to cover the entire net. Yeah, that's a that's a lot to ask of of your hips. <laughs> the, the the constant up down, trying to squat over. You got to get you know. Lean and push. Yeah, on. he's a he was hired this year as a development coordinator um, by the by the Dallas Stars. So I think that means he's done on the ice. Yes. But I mean, it, but what does that say? Okay, so back to the 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 story though of of whether DeSmith should have been whether Washington should have. I mean, are we trying to? Are you trying to say that? DeSmith is what or what DeSmith represents is what the NHL should expect for the next. And if so, should Washington? They obviously didn't get him. He went to the Canucks. They traded Tanner Pearson and a third round pick to the Canadians for him. And Tanner Uh, Pearson has not been up to his uh, former standards. Yeah, he hasn't played uh, as well as he did when he was in L.A. 
Uh, I'll put it that you way. Have, uh, you, have, you have been taking lessons in understatement because 14 <laughs> games last year for the Canucks, uh, he had five points. 21-22 season, 68 games, 14 goals, 20 assists. Um, versus even just two, pre- two years prior uh, in the 19-20 season, 69 games, 21-24 and 45. Um, yeah, he's... Uh, so at yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to ask. Uh, so the the this story and and this was written by Jesse Corville Lynch um, is suggesting that should have got to Smith instead of who they currently have as a backup, Charlie Lindgren, who actually also played in Montreal. Uh, uh, what didn't have the strongest numbers last year, uh, but where does I mean is Casey DeSmith that much of an upgrade from Lindgren, and who would if Washington is that cap strapped that they can't get him? And writing writing this article suggesting that they should have gone after him. I mean, how, how do you go after him if you don't have the money, unless you're trading talent off the roster, in which case you're trading. And I, I apparently I was incorrect. They should have offered somebody like a Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm racking my brain trying to figure out how I, you couldn't get me to bid high on most goaltenders right now. Okay, that's I guess that's what I'm getting at is this article is less about Washington acquiring Casey. DeSmith no, it's and more all about, about it, to me. It's more a statement of the overall goaltending market where people are willing to spend heavy on guys who are just average. Like average Charlie Lindgren. Yeah, his numbers not particularly great. Eight ninety nine save percentage in thirty one games last year. Yeah, on a team that wasn't good at anything. I was gonna say the team. The team itself wasn't <clears throat> wasn't good at anything. Yeah. Casey DeSmith's numbers weren't exactly um, impressive either. That's I guess that's what I'm getting at. Is I mean, there's glimmers in Langren's pass. I mean, in the 2021 or 21-22 season, admittedly only five games, but a 9.58 save percentage for the Blues. Um, you go back to 17-18. He was better than Benny. <laughs> in 14 games with the Habs, and the Habs were <clears throat> not good. Right. It, it, so it, I get it, why you would want Lingren, but like I don't see. I, I, in my very, very humble opinion, these are neither one of these is guys that you back up the Brinks truck for. No, I don't think that either one of these guys should be breaking any banks. But then again, Charlie Ingram's numbers were better than Bennington, so. <sighs> that has got to be the worst contract in the entire NHL. <laughs> It absolutely has to be the worst contract in the entire NHL. In fact, it should probably banish the GM who signed the deal all the way to Russia, where he can spend uh, days rubbing elbows with Alex Gelchenyuk. 
um, who, after blowing, after shooting himself in several tender bits of the anatomy uh, over the summer in Arizona, um, and you can check the previous episodes for this, um, has signed a has signed a deal, a two-year deal to play for uh, SKA St. Petersburg in the KHL. What? Alex is not going to be back in the NHL. Oh, no. What are teams going to do for toughness? Um, well, Phil Kessel's still available. Remember, he was he was too tough for Pittsburgh. Yes, yes, yes. Bill Kessel had to go so that they could bring it. Was that the trade? Was it Kessel for Galchenyuk? <laughs> it was something silly, and I... Uh, yes, yeah. exactly. It was something silly. So... So he's going. He's going overseas. Is it? I mean, it, did they specify the terms of the deal? Is he going to be there for a few years now? Is this it's like it's a two-year contract? Um, he's 29 now. He'll be 31, 32 by the time that second contract is second year of the contract is over. Um, oh, yeah. His first nine games there, um, two, two, and four. Um, six pims and a minus three. Uh, looking at the team, he is fourth in scoring on the roster. Um, there's a couple of former NHL prospects, uh, Brandon uh, Leipzig. Uh, there's, I want to say Valentin Zykov was, uh, was a prospect at one point. Matevi Michkov. Um, Matvey Mich- Matve Michkov is there? Yep. Ooh. Or was. It doesn't. It looks like he's not on the roster at the moment. Well, no. He's probably in a training camp right now. Michkov, wasn't he just drafted like last year, year before? He was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, it looks like he went from St. Petersburg to Sochi. Um, oh, okay. Played one game with zero points for St. Petersburg, and in four games for Sochi, uh, two goals, three assists, five points, uh, one pim, uh, and a plus three. See, one of the ones that had a contract they couldn't he couldn't get out of. I think that was the issue. Something like that, yeah. Uh, I believe that's what the issue was with Michkov, but uh, and he's so, only fifth on the scoring for Sochi. So is this is this a two year deal in the hopes that he is this like a show me sort of thing? Like he goes over there, he performs, hoping that he can get back in the NHL. Do we think he's done in the NHL? I I think he has a better chance of making it back into the NHL than some people think. Okay. Do I, given his performance curve in the last few years, do I actually think he'll make it back into the NHL? I think it's unlikely unless he's legitimately no longer drinking and paying more attention to getting into being in shape. Um, I, I think it's safe to say if he goes the next two or three years, uh, two years in the KHL, 
and he manages to be in the top three in scoring on his team both years, that someone will at least make a phone call or mm-hmm. have a scout talk to him somewhere in Europe. That's what I mean. I understand. I understand that nobody was going to. Nobody in the NHL was going to put hands on him. I mean, okay, ninety-five percent, ninety-five, ninety-seven percent sure that nobody was going to put hands on him. I mean, the Bruins put hands on that knucklehead from Arizona, but so mistakes do happen. But I was pretty sure that he wasn't going to be playing here in the upcoming season. But. My thought is that, yes, just like you said, if he can straighten himself out, I don't know that he has to be number one in scoring on his team. My top three, you know, averages better than half a point per game. So there, there's got to be some kind of benchmarks that he's got to hit before he's going to be able to show. And I don't think it's just any I just I don't think it's just statistical benchmarks that he's going to have to show that he's cleaned himself up, that this incident was quote unquote a blip on the radar and not normal behavior for him absolutely um i I don't think think that you can get away from this as easily i mean he hasn't he doesn't put up huge numbers and during a season during the regular season in, in the in the nhl anyway if i remember correctly i mean it's not like he's a 90 points you know 70 points per season player so i think it's good he's got to clean up his person he's got to clean up his 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 person not just his nhl stats i mean do i wish him well and 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 i wish him success absolutely i wish him but i think he needs to mental health and he needs to figure himself out whatever else comes after that is uh is a question of his efforts Fair enough. Um, so I saw this question Uh-oh. and nearly threw up um, on Twitter. <laughs> like le- legitimately nearly threw up. Okay. Um, so before I even get to the question. I haven't seen the question. So is I'm, I'm, I'm concerned now. Um, the first response visible is 5% chance. Second response, 70% chance. Um, third response, unrealistic to guess exactly 50 goals is a tough task. Help uh, probably get six, he'll, uh, help meaning probably heal, probably get 65 plus goals. What's the question, of course? Oh, goodness. How realistic is a 50 goal season for Bedard? The kid hasn't played a minute in the NHL yet. Not even a fucking preseason game. Wow. Okay. Congratulations, folks. Uh, that's the first time <laughs> we've only been on. We've only been doing this for what five, six years. Wow. <laughs> Look, between the Babcock stuff and all of the other stuff, it was going to happen, and it was bound. And okay, but back to this. The kid hasn't played a minute in the NHL yet. I understand that he's the next thing after the last thing, which was Connor McSavier. But 
Mm-hmm. What kind of pressure are you putting on somebody when you're sitting there going, well, is it likely that he's going to get 65 goals or 50 goals or maybe he'll get 120 points? Or Are you serious? The kid's, what, 18? Did he turn 18 yet? Is he still He had just turned 18. Why don't we just say that he's going to go out and break Solani's record for goals by a rookie uh, and call it a day? I mean, Yeah, except that Solani 70, scored 76. So. Yep, 78 goals this season for Connor Bedard. Really? He's, Easy, sure. He's going to average almost a goal per game. Wow, that's impressive. I like this sort of stuff is so bleeping ridiculous that I mean, you wonder why players are edged into chemical dependencies. It's not just the physical injuries. It's the ridiculousness of the expectations of some people. Now, I think that Patrice Bergeron was very, very smart in not even having social media for most of his career. Yeah. Because even as revered as he was and is in Boston, there were a couple of years there after that first big concussion where people were somewhat less kind to him. And had he let that stuff get into his head, we might not have seen the first ballot, sure thing, possibly unanimous Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame career that we that we did get to witness. Oh, and it was enjoyable. And for someone like Bedard, where social media at the level that we've seen it in the past 15 years is literally a part of every minute of his life that he can remember. The odds that he's going to turn off his social media and not pay any attention to it, and yet his friends and family and co-workers and agent to not show him ridiculous fertilizer like this, pretty bleeping low. A lot more realistic than people think. And and the thing is that obviously trolling for results, I'm guessing. I don't know. Look, I would love to see him have a 50 goal or 70 goal or an 80 goal oh, or I, 100 I, season. I don't wish against fantastic. him. It would be an amazing, wonderful thing for hockey, for him, for Chicago Blackhawks, Chicago Blackhawks fans, for the junior teams that he's played with. It would be fantastic. But seriously, people, um, this is pretty nearly, okay, I won't say nearly as grotesque as the uh, countdown clocks to certain young female celebrities turning 18, but it's in that creepy category of just delusional behavior. I just can't like literally I just can't. <laughs> I'm just like as much as as much as yes, he's the number one overall pick. Expectations are obviously going to be there. You can't do anything about that. You, you know, if you're the number one overall pick, there are going to be expectations. But to and, sit here and put number to sit there and, and 
can he do 50? Can he do 60? Can he do this? Can he do that? And, and then you read, and then, I don't know. I read, you read, and I know they say don't read comments, but unfortunately that's all you have to read because big head hockey didn't actually follow up with what they think will happen. This was just trolling for responses. You got people, 5% chance, 20% chance. Oh, he's definitely going to do it. Oh, how about we do 80? How about this? Stop. Let the kid actually play in the NHL before you start keeping all these things on his shoulders, which uh, it's bad enough that Chicago fan base expects his shoulders to be uh, as wide as, you know, my house. But uh, sorry. Legitimately, well, he's clearly skilled at hockey. You know what? He could wake up tomorrow morning, find a vocation for whatever faith he practices, and decide to go off and live a purely religious life away from the rest of the world for the rest of his life. Never play hockey again. (laughs) Never play hockey again. Never. Yeah. Uh, there'd probably be a few people upset about that, but yeah. Uh, namely, Chicago organization. <laughs> Just it, stop it, people. Like the kid has not played. This is one where minute. we hold up the uh, famous image of Susan Powder during the what was it mid nineties? Stop the insanity. Yes. Yeah, that. I remember. Yeah, I remember her. Stop the insanity. And yeah, on the less crazy discussion board, we have less crazy. Okay, I like less crazy, less crazy. Yeah. Winnipeg, Vancouver, Seattle, San Jose, Ottawa, Nashville, Minnesota, Florida, Columbus, Buffalo and uh, Arizona. Oh, I know the answer to this one. What do they all have in common? They all belong in the Western Squishy Conference. Oh wait, no, you said Buffalo. And none of them won. None of them have. None of them have won the Stanley Cup. None of them have won the Stanley Cup. Um, and Open Ice uh, is asking, which one of them wins the Stanley Cup first? Ooh. Uh, Buffalo. Actually, I have two teams, but I think it's I think of these teams, I think the three Eastern Conference, well, Buffalo, Florida and Ottawa. Yes, are probably the most likely. Um, Columbus is still at the bottom. They need to do their rebuild. Winnipeg still needs to blow up. Um, Columbus Minnesota starting with a head coach. Yes. What? I said Columbus needs to do their rebuild starting with a head coach. Well, they took the assistant coach uh, and made him head coach, which means we have a first-time head coach in the NHL. Hooray! Ooh, he's gonna love it. Instead of a guy who can no longer remember what team he's coaching, uh, unless he's wearing a tie for that team. Um, but I mean, looking at these eleven teams, I'm just going to eliminate Vancouver from being first because they're. <laughs> Vancouver. 
Ouch. I'm sorry. I have to laugh because Vancouver, I mean, Vancouver's team has plenty of talent. What they don't have is direction, cohesion, and possibly motivation. Sorry, not sorry. Okay, not even pretending to be sorry. Facts are facts. Seattle, can't quite believe it. Wouldn't a Cinderella run not impossible? Nashville, so you you weren't impressed by Seattle's run last year, though. I mean, I, I I think it's possible. I I don't see them beating any of the good Eastern Conference teams over the next three years. Okay. Like, had they gone to the Stanley Cup final against Florida, Florida won. Florida wins. Easy. Florida wins in five games. Like what Seattle did, but a healthy Florida team was definitely better than that Seattle team. Nashville, they're just starting their rebuild. First time GM, Barry Trotz, great coach. Uh, but he's a very methodical man. Let's see. Let's see what he does in his first year as general manager. Coyotes. They have so many draft picks, they could almost buy a Stanley Cup. Um, Interesting. Like it, I'll it, trade it feels, you. It feels like they have enough draft picks that they're like a kid standing in a Chuck E. Cheese with like six miles of tickets and a a like trash bag full of them. And can I bring them up to the counter and get a Stanley Cup? Yeah, that. <laughs> So if they trade all of their wait, if they trade all of their first round picks, uh, no, see second. they only have they only have three first they only have one first round pick. It's the the fact that they have ten in the second round over the next three years. So if I trade you all my second round picks, can I have a Stanley Cup, please? <laughs> um, then you look at. You look at San Jose, no. San Jose is just a no. No. Yeah, just no. For me, it really does come down to, as I said, Ottawa, I think they need better goaltending. Yes. Florida, they need better health. Okay. Buffalo, I still think needs... Better goaltending. They need that goaltender, a little bit of goaltending, and they need that one more grittier element added to their back end. Not just Clifton, but someone who's going to play 20-ish minutes a night, 21 minutes a night. What did Clifton, what did Clifton average last year? Like 15? About 15. and It may have been a little higher than that, but yeah. I don't see even on that roster him being bumped to 21 minutes a night in his first year there. You don't think Uko Pekalukanen can do it? Um, you look at their defense for the for Buffalo. That's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, he's actually their third highest played paid defenseman right now. True. Darlene Samuelson ahead of him. He's also Eric Johnson, of, who's 35 behind him. He's also um, one of Henry Yokoharu. Uh, Jacob Bryanson. Yeah. Or Jacob Bryson, Riley Silkman, and Owen Power. But he's also one of only two defensemen that have a contract beyond this season. 
Yeah, but the odds that they don't manage to re-sign Owen Power are minute. Um, yeah, well, yes. Rasmus we've already Darlene heard is... the discussions around Rasmus Darlene's next contract. Um, it will be very interesting to see what happens with uh, with that back end across this year. Uh, I suspect given how many RFAs there are um, when we have an indication, you know, mid January of what the cap will look like next year or the year after. It seems like that's the game they're playing. Yeah. You're going to start seeing the trade. You're, you're going to start seeing trades wide open. It looks like, and and if you look at Buffalo, I mean, if you look at Buffalo's roster, with the exception of Skinner, who signed his deal, I don't know how many years ago. Uh, Tage, obviously, you had to make sure you had him. But if you look at their roster, they don't have a whole lot signed beyond this season. They no. they're playing the cap game. Well, they're playing the cap game, and they're also they're also just getting to the point where you can say their rebuild looks like it could be successful. Cause look at how young a lot of these players are. There's still guys on their first contract or on their second contract. Um, well, Connor Clifton is like an old man at 28 on this team. He really is because There's the average age on their back end is 25.4. And it's only that high because Eric Johnson's 35. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you look at their you look at their team. You've got Jack Quinn, uh, entry level contract, Owen Power, ELC, uh, John Jason uh, Paterka, ELC, oh JJ Paterka, yeah. ELC, uh, and then you have Tage Thompson, who's a creaky twenty five, Dylan Cousins, who's a uh, who's twenty two. Uh, Jordan Greenway, 26. Casey Middlestat, 24. Um, Alex Tuck, who's what? Oh, 27. Ooh. 27. Uh, practically, you oh, know, get him, a, retired. get him a cane. Get him a cane. A walker. Yeah. Darlene, a, uh, a distinguished 23-year-old, as is Casey Middlestat. I'm sorry, Matthias Samuelson. Uh, 20, a pure 23-year-old's the 24-year-old Yoki Haru and Jacob Bryson um, and Riley Stillman, who were practically gray beards at 25. Tyson Jost, that's where he, he's in Buffalo now. Um, and that's and then they've still got a lot of young prospects in their uh, in their system. Their their average age of full non-roster forwards among the 15 guys is 21 years exactly. I mean, the the top two teams for me are this Buffalo team and uh, I I want to put Florida ahead of Ottawa, but I don't know after I don't know I. Is I, uh, if I, Ottawa I can square why, you, why you're hesitant? If Ottawa can square away goaltending, I this this Ottawa team is again. Um, yeah, average age of their forwards twenty five point eight. Average age of their defense twenty five point six. Uh, you know that Senators team is potentially terrifying with even average goaltending. 
Yeah. But that's what I'm thinking. They, I mean, Eunice Corpus Allo. Although they've got and, cap issues. Well, they're paying a lot of kids a lot of money. They've got, I mean, right now, they've got 11 roster forwards mm-hmm. with Shane Pinto unsigned and um, Josh Norris on the LTIR, on the injured reserve. And they're already at the cap. Like they're 120,000 under the cap. Um, sure, they'll be able to, put, they're going to have to put, they're going to have to send one of their defensemen down, which means. Ooh, wow. We're not sending Jake Sanderson down, but probably not. Um, they might not. have to make a couple of moves before the season starts or they're going to be playing shorthanded. They better find a way to get Pinto signed. But still, uh, going back at, to. Go ahead. Go back to Buffalo. It's okay. No, no, not, not, not Buffalo, Florida. I, I get why you're saying what you're saying, because let's start at goaltending. Bobrovsky had a pretty good playoff run, but most of his time in Florida has been not nearly average. Well, yeah, he's a $10 million goaltender who has for the better part of his time in Florida not played like a $10 million goaltender. I mean, he had a 901 save percentage in the regular season across 50 games last year. Playoffs turn show up, and he ends up with a 915 in 19 say in 19 games in the postseason. And what's going on with Spencer Knight? Um, I want to say he entered the player assistance protocol program at some point. Oh, that's right. Okay, I forgot about um, that. But even. Like so that that leaves big questions in goal. I'm more concerned about a lot of their forwards and some of their defensemen, like Ekblad. He's supposed to be their ace on the back end. Barely noticed him. Barely noticed him in the playoffs. Barkov, their best paid forward. Did you really consider him a stud or a threat against the Bruins? I don't remember. I don't remember him mentioning his name much against. I'm, I, I'm sure they did. I just don't remember. Oh, look, and he's they've got a lot of UFAs this year. A lot. They have three RFAs due contracts at the end of the season on the back end. Four UFAs. So the only person, the only guy signed beyond this season on the back end for for Florida is Mikola. Nico Mikola, who's getting two and a half million this year, two and a half million in 2526, uh, 24-25 and 25-26. Other than that, everybody else is done at the end of this year. So they're playing the cap game as well. Everyone's playing the cap game, and I genuinely believe we may see the busiest trade deadline in terms of dollars <laughs> and contracts moved and the number of players moved uh, between like January 1st, January 5th. 
and the deadline. Like this could be a complete Wild West show. Um, I want to skip ahead to the next offseason, but are you saying that next year in June, this could be a very exciting time for July? Oh, I think that the first <laughs> the first 36 hours of free agency, I'm not going to want to sleep. Yeah. And, I'm and, literally and not going to want to sleep. Our third, our, third, our third member there seems to agree with you. He, he's a smart guy, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying so, – so are you saying Buffalo, Florida, Ottawa, or – I mean, are you ranking them, or is this just a, I'm taking these three as possible – I mean, having looked at the rosters now, I probably do have to put Buffalo first. I, yeah. I I would like to see I and I don't know that Uko Pekalukin is going to be a number one. I don't know. I think that Devin Levy is going to uh, certainly make a push for being the number one, or they'll do a one A one B. That seems to be the way the league is going. Obviously, it was successful in Boston. Uh, had they utilized it in the playoffs, we may be talking different. Or just gone with the healthy guy. Or just, just with, or just gone with the healthy guy. That's it. Very good point. Very good point. Um, but that seems to be it, it, bringing Devin Levy up. It, it, is he ready? I don't know. I know they utilized him at the end of last season, and at times he looked really good. At times I got a little nervous, but I think he's got the goods. And another goaltender from Northeastern. So uh, I think it, I think Northeastern they're they're starting to breed goaltenders or something because they had Caden Primo before him. So. Absolutely. Um, so we haven't talked about them as much uh, in the last year, but the Colorado avalanche in the offseason or have picked up Ryan Johansson. Now, Ryan Johansson is not the Ryan Johansson he was five or six years ago, but he's still a pretty, pretty G dang solid player. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be my, I'm not saying he's my number one center, but can he still play a middle six role? Absolutely. I think he's I mean, they're aiming him at the number two center slot. That sounds about right. Okay, I can go with that with guys who can skate in with all the guys who can skate really well in Colorado. um, This has the potential to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Yeah, I he seems to have lost a step in skating, um, so he's probably not going to be keeping up with. Uh, the McCars and the McKinnons. Um, but if you're putting, if you're going to put, you know, Rantanen or Lekkanen, um on one of his wings, uh, even Druin, depending, or actually Druin, we know, I guess, is going to be end up with McKinnon. But um, most likely, if he sticks with the team, he's probably going to end up playing some, at least part of the time, he's going to be playing with Mac, with Nathan McKinnon. I don't know that it'll be a hundred percent of the time, but might just be the power play. And even that is, <laughs> even that is enough to be terrifying to anyone who has to, has to face them. I think this was a good move for Colorado after losing, um, JT Comper after, well, they lost JT Comper last year. They lost Kadri before that. 
Um, and Landis Gog is still is not expected to play this season. Um, they needed to do something, and this is more than something. But this he's is, he's not just. I get what I was. He's not just at, a warm body. No, and what I was getting at was JT Comper is one of the. I'm I'm not going to put a number on. I'm just going to say he's one. He's one of the better. I think one of the best two way players in in hockey right now. As far as he he plays on the penalty kill, he plays probably. I mean, he's that's what he does. He's am I comparing him to anybody in particular? No, I just if I were forming a team of of 200 foot players, he would be on it. I think Ryan Johansson is more of that 200-foot player. He's not strictly offensive. He's not. He's not just going to get out there. Offensive zone starts. I mean, he can play in his own end. So I think that this was a smart move for Colorado, not just in the fact that they needed another center, but the fact that they replaced one 200-foot player with another one. And one of the other nice parts about it is Brian Johansson's a six foot three, two hundred and eighteen pound guy <laughs> who is willing to use his body. He doesn't necessarily throw the biggest hits, but he protects the puck really well. Yes. And that's going to give not just you know his wingers time to get into position, but it's going to give defense time to get back into the right position. Because they do have a fairly aggressive defense there who pinches in pretty often, whether it's Makar or Gerard or uh, Manson. They're not exactly your shy, retiring, stay-at-home, Hal Gill, Aaron Ward type guys. Not exactly. Okay. Um, and giving good young defensemen more time to be – to get – uh, to get to where they need to be, particularly when you've got guys who can move as fast as Makar, it's a very good thing. And the thing is, they've gotten they've gotten slightly bigger at that center position because JT Comper was only six feet, you know, or is yep. only six feet, hundred ninety pounds. So yep. they've added a little bit of size. He is a he is three years older than JT Comper, but. <sighs> I don't think there's I don't think there's any drop off here. No, he's only 31. It's not like he's 36 right. and you're That's what uh, I'm saying. Replace there's a 31 year old with a 34 year old or a 34 year old with a 37 year old. He's yeah. still in that area where the brain and the body are working and in that top 10 12% of career. And he's recovered from that surgery. Which which means he could have a bounce back year. Yes. Am I predicting he's going to put up his best statistical year in the NHL? No, no, I'm not. Although his best statistical year in the NHL is only 71 points in 82 games back in the 14-15 season. Um, could he get – he actually could get there if he's spending a decent amount of time on the penalty on the uh, power play. Okay. I don't think it's likely, but if his leg is better and he's playing at full pace, 
it's it's hard to say that he'll still be under 60 points this year. I mean, 21-22 season, 79 games, 63 points in Nashville. This is a better team than that Nashville team. Saying that he will get 70 points, even if it takes him, or 60 points rather, even if it takes him a month into the season to acclimatize to the altitude, which it probably won't. Um, he is, he is, he is slightly better points producer than 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 JT was. JT JT in, in his time was was slightly under fifty, uh, slightly under half point per game. Whereas JT, I mean, where Ryan Johansson is actually mm, closer to sixty percent. Uh, five yeah. eight sixty two uh, or point six two points per game. So Johansson's actually gonna put Johansson's gonna create more points, more offense than than JT did in his time with Colorado. Uh, I, I, like I said, I don't. This is not this. This is not just a. This is not just a. Hey, we had to fill a hole. They they actually filled that spot with somebody who is uh, going to produce he's an impact and, player. Yes. I guess is the best way to summarize it. He's an impact player. This is not throwing spaghetti at the wall. Um, and, and, and as far as playoffs go, 67, 67 playoff games for Johansson, 54 points. Yeah. Uh, so come playoff time. Yeah, he's, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be there. So I, I, this was a, this was a really good move for Colorado. <laughs> eight, in eight playoff appearances, he's only been held goalless once. Um, uh, yeah, I, I will take Ryan Johansson on my team on a pretty regular basis. Um, particularly at 4 million. I, I mean, they're paying him for this year and next year, and he might end up with one of the best contracts in the league if he gets back to that 0. 0.62, 0. 0.65 uh, points per game uh, in the regular season. Nice. And good for him. I'm, I'm thoroughly happy for him. I mean, if so, he can get himself back into a playoff structure and get himself a nice deep playoff run, yeah. So with deep playoff run, are you are you picking the uh, the abs to go all the way this year? All the way? I haven't even gotten that far. Wow. Are we making picks already? I thought that was like next week or something. <laughs> well, if you're afraid to make your pick, I, I okay, we, we'll leave. Oh, it. Wait, oh, really? Okay. And who are you picking then, Weisenheimer? What a deflection. Uh, you're you're trying to make it about me when it's really about you. How is it about me? Well, you were talking about a deep playoff run, so you know, obviously we all know what that means. I think Colorado can make a deep playoff run. I think that they have they have the roster to do it. They have the, the talent to do it. I just have not formulated who I'm picking to win it all yet. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, okay. 
Um, since you're out on uh, accountability and actually, you know, oh, okay, Go we're going to dive into uh, uh, Chris Weidman, who is out for the season for uh, the Habs already. Um, his season ended well, very nearly as quickly as the tenure of a certain head coach. Um, Mm-hmm. Does this change your trajectory for the Montreal Canadiens for the season? Change my trajectory? I didn't think I had it. I don't remember having a trajectory for the Canadians, actually. Oh, you're... Well, you're, when, I, when I heard you tell me that, that Carey Price was going to not only be the number one goaltender in Montreal this season, but that he was going to win the Hart Trophy... And and the um, the one that the players give away, yeah. The, the Vesna, yeah. No, uh, well, he could win the Vesna as well, but no, the 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 MVP trophy that the players give away, I can never remember what that one is. I didn't actually say he was going to win that one, but go ahead, keep okay. going, keep making stuff up. My my trajectory, making stuff up. This is what you told me pre-show. Gary Price is going to win the Hart. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I. <laughs> What I said. <laughs> I'm sure I you said it. Tongue show wind Chris up notes section. I'm pretty sure that the, that the tongue might have been planted firmly in the cheek, but you know. And no, I never had a trajectory. I think that Weidman being out indefinitely does it hurt them? I, I guess. I I don't expect a lot from Montreal though. I really wasn't expecting I, I I wasn't expecting them to be winning the race for 32, but I think they'd be in contention. I as much as I love their young forwards, Suzuki, Caulfield. I love um, Suzuki. Yes. Even uh, uh, Slavovsky. Uh, there's beyond that, there's a whole lot of, oh, yeah, I've heard of that guy. I just I mean, I'm looking at their roster. I just don't see it. I, that's that's the thing. It's not that I can look at their roster and say, "Oh man, that that dude's terrible." It's basically I can look at their roster and say, "Yeah, I've heard of that guy," and that's I'm, it. I look at their defense. Well, and 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 I'm looking at their defense in particular. I mean, their 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 offense. They've got a, a collection of talent I don't know that they've got a team do I love Brendan Gallagher yes Gold Caulfield I guess I mean I don't know what happened last season but oops hiccup I love Nick Suzuki's game uh, wanted Dvorak when we needed a center last year or the year before whenever it was uh, I still like Jake Evans as a Bottom six forward, he's physical, he can play, and, and he's shown that he can take a hit. Uh, Slavkovsky has has upside. I mean, he's only 19 years old, and he looks like he's going to be a performer. But you get into the defense, and it's like, uh, who? And, yeah, I know I mean, David Savard. I know yeah. David Savard. <laughs> I mean, I think that people are – unduly harsh on Caulfield 
I mean, he played 46 games last year because he had a couple of injuries. He put up 26 goals and 36 points in that time. Okay. That's nothing to sneeze at. I'm not saying he's washed up or anything. I just, and I thought that, and and that's actually better numbers than I thought he had. I, I don't remember him producing that well. I thought that at one point he got benched because he wasn't performing. He, I believe he was playing through an injury at one point, uh, but that was never confirmed. It's usually not. Um, I, I just don't see it. That defense. That defense doesn't scare me. It doesn't make me think, wow, I'm not going to be able to get through them and, and get to the net. I just Maybe it is. Kaiden Goulet could be absolutely fabulous. He's 21 years old. Justin Barron could be uh, the second coming of, of a Hall of Famer, for all I know. I, I, it is young. That's, the other thing is that they are young. Average age, 24.9. If you were Jim Montgomery's uh, assistant coach, you wouldn't be game planning around Jordan Harris and uh, Gustav Lindstrom. Probably not. I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, it would be it would be a mistake to just completely ignore them. Obviously, you study tape. Obviously, they study tape. They 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 look at trends. They do what they got to do. I just I'm not seeing it. I'm I look at their They're roster. Goaltending, well, it it exists. It does exist. Jake Allen was horrendous last year. I'll say it. His best time was probably when he was with St. Louis. Um, I mean, they traded away DeSmith because they got Montembeau. Is Carey and and all joking aside, is Carey Price going to play? I firmly believe no. And I, I believe the same. But did we not do a story not a couple of weeks ago? Something about him possibly coming back or looking to there come was back or insinuation that he would be back. <laughs> I like that insinuation. Okay. And I found the insinuation highly amusing. Yes. Um, I don't see it happening. I think that the chances that Carey Price plays 20 games for the Montreal Canadiens this year are roughly equal to the chances that no. uh, Mike Babcock has an NHL coaching job again this year. I, uh, my take on that Carey Price thing is almost the same as, as my take on, on Tuca coming back when he did. I think it's just going to disrupt whatever is going on with the goaltenders. You've got Caden Primo. Has his growth been stunted because Carey Price? Yes, no, maybe. Then they go get Jake Allen. So Carey, so so Caden Primo up and down. His numbers haven't been strong, but is that because he hasn't been in one place or another? You know, it, 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 is it a mental thing with with that? I I don't know. I think that Carrie I think that with Carrie Price as with Tukarask, I think the decision needs to be made and I think maybe either letting him sever the ties or what I mean with Tuka he recognized it immediately that he couldn't play at the level that he was playing at before the injury you know is Carrie Price has Carrie Price been gone too long is he 
is this now just a distraction and is it is, yes I think so I mean Jake Allen played 42 games for the Habs last season yeah 35 the season before 29 the season before and his numbers have gone downhill each year the thing is he hasn't played for he hasn't played over 40 games in like four years his his second to last year in St. Louis was the last time he played over 40 games and his, he was over 90% save percentage not that it was great it was a 905 but he, I mean his, we could be honest here Jake Allen has just never been a great goaltender he's no. had chance, he's had periods where he's been good but not a world beater, not a series stealer, not not a difference maker. But is he better than Jordan Bennington? Me <laughs> six months in pads, I might be better than Jordan Jordan Bennington. <laughs> I shouldn't pick on him. No, actually, you should. Yes, I mean, actually, I should. Three or four days after an injury where his own player ran into him, he threw a bottle at another guy who was being interviewed. He's his numbers actually were human beings. He did play sixty-one games, but his numbers were not that much better than than Jake Allen's actually. Jake Allen had (laughs) not as good a defense in front of him. Yeah, I would be inclined to agree. And isn't being paid uh, nearly as much. The Canadians, the Canadians, I mean, taking it back to the Canadians real quick, just to finish, just to put a bow on it. I don't see it happening. Uh, Chris Weidman will be out indefinitely with the back injury. I feel for the guy. I don't want, you know, I don't wish injuries on anyone, but ultimately I don't think it makes a huge difference for them on the ice. Makes sense to me. Uh, we ran our will he or won't he poll on Lindholm last week. Uh, over the last week, we asked the question, Campus Lindholm has reported he's healthy for uh, after a late season foot fracture and is stronger and better than when he started last year. So will Lindholm be in the Norris conversation at the end of the year? Um, poll results, 46.5% said no. Leaving 53.5% yes. Um, Mm -hmm. I love this poll. Um, Not only did it get good views and lots of votes, um, I think it reflects both realism and uh, just the inertia when it comes to the sad sad part is awards in the NHL. Because if we're being honest, particularly for like the Norris, the Vesna, um, there are awards that you, it takes you three years to win it. It really does. You have to build a reputation, build upon mm-hmm. the reputation, and then show that those first two seasons weren't a fluke. And oh, by the way, score a lot of goals. 
Yeah, which because matter because yeah, defensive best defenseman in the league award, but we give it to the most offensive defenseman in the league. They really need to create stop. like a bot. They just need to, they just need to stop. They need to either create a Bobby Orr award or something for an offensive defenseman, a Ray Bork award. I don't care what it's called, but you need to. They need to stop this because. It's not a defensive award, but I will shush. <laughs> um, in so this case, in this case, it's uh, with with this. I think that fifty three forty six or fifty four forty six. What? I, I, unfortunately, yeah, I think that's an expected split. I think I expected it to come out that way because it's Hampus Lindholm. He's in Boston, and even though it's a big market. I don't think I think that he's going to get uh, not the consideration that he deserves. That's fair. Um, so last night I had a <clears throat> discussion on Twitter regarding the game roster for uh, today for the Boston Bruins. Um, I said that this wasn't an any this was a coach in AHL roster a roster that an AHL coach would complain about. Because it comes down to at forward Beecher, Brown, DeBrus, Frederick, Geeky, Greer, Harrison, Lysel, Magna, Poitras, Richard, JVR up front. On the back end, Callahan, Mitchell, Regular, Walsh, Watherspoon, uh, and Zaboral with Boosie and Kaiser uh, in net. And uh, Brandon Busey is supposed to get the whole game. Um, really? Yes, uh, that's according to Ty Anderson uh, last night. Um, so we have two options for the will he or won't he poll for the season for next week. Um, option number one uh, is someone was talking about JVR as being a reason an AHL coach would love this lineup. Um, so will he or won't he? Will JVR get 16 or more goals for the Boston Bruins this year? Or will he or won't he? Um, will uh, Ryan Johansson cross 60 points this season? What's your pick for uh, which one of those questions do you want to do? Uh, let's go with Colorado. Let's go with Ryan Johansson. Will you only get 60 points this season? I like that answer. Um, because I think it'll be an interesting discussion based on looking at his numbers over the past few seasons. I mean, you look at his numbers over the last few seasons, and yeah, last year he only came up with 28 points, but the season before that, 63. He's had a 64, he's had a 61. 71, 63, I mean, 34 points in the 42 games in the in his first half season with Nashville. But if you look at that season overall, again, that's another 70-point season, 60-point uh, season, 54 points. I, I think that it's only been the last couple of years where he hasn't. There's only been two seasons, the twenty, the nineteen twenty season, where we only played sixty eight games due to the pause, 
And then there was the 2021 season where they only played 56 games. And he, even though he played in 48 of them, I think he was injured for most of them. And, and it was just one of those things that we didn't hear about. So I, th- I perfectly think he's capable of doing it, but I would like to know what the uh, the good people of X or Twitter think. Yes, no, maybe. Well, I am literally typing the poll up as we speak. Spectacular. Um, it will, be, it will be pinned to my uh, profile. You think he can? You think, he's, I think you, you think he's going to do it? You think he can do it? We'll talk about it next week. All right. What else do we want to talk about this week? Sounding a little like Cody Rose. What do you want to talk about? Well, next week I will do my uh, Adam uh, Page, or and uh, bring it to story time. <laughs> What is the good news out of Columbus? That's I, I don't know what this story is. I just clicked on it. Good news out of Columbus is? Yes. Columbus needs some good news after the <clears throat> issues they've just been through recently. Is that uh, Central Ohio is building pressure to be the next fountain of young hockey talent. Um a young man who is getting um, a lot of attention and has for three years already at all of 10 years old is uh, Cooper years old. Yes, 10 years old and three years of people talking about him um, at at a couple of different tournaments, um, spends three, four plus hours out there a night uh, taking shots Um on the Blue Jackets homepage, um, there's some video uh, from a couple of days ago. Um, it talks about, you know, they come, they get out of the car after two and a half hours coming home from a tournament, and he's already out taking shots before his parents make it into the house. Um, first of all, I want to sign up to have that energy. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's good to see hockey players coming out of even bad markets or markets that have not yet won a cup, not yet been serious, had serious playoff runs. Um, we don't really talk about a lot of the, um, about a lot of the smaller markets as hockey markets. Um, but uh, let's see, what is the. Well, just look at just, just from the time I've had to, to skim the article. Cause I, I did not get a chance to skim this before the show. That's why I wanted to ask you about it, but just uh, 10 years old, just started fifth grade. And has already had a standout performance at the Brick Invitational Tournament, which apparently is a uh, some kind of a launching pad for some of the NHL's young young stars. Uh, his father talks about uh, the travel and, and related in hockey. So they go to Detroit 
they come back from the tournament and young Cooper would be outside half an hour after getting back to the house, four days of a tournament. And he's sitting there out back shooting pucks and, 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 and just working on working on his game. His dad's like, dude, go take a shower and relax. <laughs> There's only five NHL or five, um, central Hawk, central Ohio, uh, players or is or Columbus area natives ever played in this tournament. Um, two of the others are Jack Roslevic and Cole Sherwood, mm-hmm. um, who've already uh, been drafted. Uh, and then Easton Reichart, um, his teammate Liam uh, Cena has already has played there as well. And Cooper Hackett is the first um, Ohio native to have played in the Brick Invitational twice. Um, other guy, other players who have played in this tournament. Um, when we get to a guy who you've heard of, uh, just let me know. Okay. Ready? Go ahead. Zach Wierenski, Johnny Goudreau, Connor Bedard, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Jack Hughes, Brady Kachuk, Trevor Zegers. Never heard of any of them. Yeah. Uh, me either. Um, I, I don't know if I could make a decent team out of those players. I, I, I I'm not sure you could make a team that was cap compliant with that many guys like that. <laughs> yes. Cap compliance would probably be the biggest issue there. <laughs> I, hey, I, I'll, I'll, all the power to him. 10 years old, you know, and I hope dad keeps him. I hope dad, his family can keep him grounded so that he doesn't get, get away from himself, but keep working on it. I mean, looking at the pictures from his backyard, there's a video here, which I have not watched yet, but it looks like they put down some deck hockey uh, in the backyard and and set him up with nice. Oh, I like that double size net. That's sweet. Or or it's a goaltender's net, but it's actually the way it's wrapped around. I wish we had stuff like that when I was a kid. (laughs) I uh, I really really like. Um, he's working on his Michigan. He, he's a he's a big fan of Kent Johnson apparently, who by the way went to Michigan. <laughs> I I wish him luck. I, Ten years old, you know, keep working, and, and look forward to seeing your name on draft day. Uh, Absolutely. Um, so for Cooper and Liam and all of the other youngsters at the Brick Invitation, stay focused. Absolutely. I believe that is all we have time for this week. I love ending on a positive note. Uh, and that's that Hockey Fans is where we leave you. Uh, the drop pass has been left. Go ahead, pick it up. Share the show with friends, neighbors, coworkers. Um, random people you run into on the street, play it really, really loud on public transit, and we'll see you right back here next week. Uh, tell us what you think of the preseason games for your teams uh, by dropping us a tweet this week. Um, have a fantastic week. <laughs>